91.3 The Blaze. Music's a little off. Not sure what's going on. Thanks for being with us this hour, though. Four to five every Monday. Spencer Porter with Hank Bichel here at Utah Tech Campus. Thank you for tuning in. And always, this will be archived through wherever you get your podcasts for our fun recap. Another exciting week of football. The NFL continues to be a game where you really shouldn't bet on. Anything can happen. Saw you know, the most points we've ever seen in a game in our lifetimes to the Arizona Cardinals, you know, a bird team beating the Dallas Cowboys. And Josh Dobbs, babyface and all, carried Arizona to the big win. And, I mean, Dak Prescott, an inexcusable interception to nobody. And and now we have Taylor Swift as this advocate in her own way for the NFL and showed up to watch Travis Kelsey play and against the intramural football team of the NFL. The Chiefs got the win and Kelsey got his touchdown. And and now well everyone we will not do this, but everyone has to, you know, act like they're oblivious to every Taylor Swift song known and then they say the name of her song to sound trendy and in football with a, a Taylor Swift lyric, but we don't need to do that. It, you know, try too hard to be funny. We're just here talking football, but good for them. We hope it works. The only thing... I hope it doesn't so she makes another album. The only thing we'll have to say is his his fit after the game was nuts. And then they left in a convertible. He's it, living the dream. Yeah, it, was really, it was really out of a movie. Um, after three weeks in the NFL, undefeated teams... Our slim pickings, the Miami Dolphins 3-0, San Francisco 49ers 3-0, Tampa Bay and Philly are 2-0. They play tonight against each other. I mean, maybe they tie, leaning towards Philly winning that one. Uh, but that's it. It's a it's a quick track of the undefeated teams. Out of those four, Hank, only, we've only had three games. Which undefeated team do you think is the best? Which one just is, is uh, nothing? Uh, nothing. I got to go Tampa out of those teams. And they're just, I don't think they're as complete as the other teams. The best right now is the San Francisco 49ers. Both sides of the ball are really good. They got great players. Uh, the Bosa man and CMC, two of the best players in the league right mm-hmm. now. Well, and, and there's, so, there's so many players. Even Fred Warner has been a good addition. Been there for so long. And Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, it's like they have like a video game superpower, they can't get tackled after first contact. Mm. They just keep rumbling through. And and Debo Samuel always has, you know, two or three kind of the Paul Pierce injury scenario where he's down on the ground, you think he might be dead, he might lose a limb, and then in five minutes he comes back out on the field and as good as ever, still picks up a first down, and his, you know, health meter drops and then his back to 100%. Those undefeated teams, there's so much more to go. You know, so many more weeks in the NFL. We'll have to see. I don't know if anyone will ever be undefeated again like Don Shula's old Dolphins team. It's just such a competitive league. But it's wacky to see some teams' records, you know, that have just essentially been flipped upside down. Particularly what we're picking out is the AFC South. Hmm. Not the greatest division with the Colts, Texans, Titans, and Jaguars. But the Colts lead it with a 2-1 record as everyone else is falling to 1-2, and two, which is just funky. And the Bengals are 0-2. Definitely possible they could lose tonight to the Rams with Burrow uh, being shaky. And 
Rams playing against some good football. Yeah, that offense is moving yeah. the chains. And I think in that AFC North division with the Browns and, and Bengals and Steelers, especially those three, the Ravens fans have patience, but the other three fan bases, they're not afraid to bring the Boo Birds out early in the first half, and they're just not happy. Look at the, the Steelers. Sitting number one in the division, and the differential is minus 14. Been, yeah, been outscored 14. That I mean, their defense has scored almost as many points as their offense has. Kenny Pickett, though, back-to-back games with a 70-plus-yard touchdown pass. So who's really doing the work? Is it bad defense, good route running, or he gets lucky? I don't know. Kind of that that first play of the college football season when Bryson Barnes hit Money Parks with the Utes for 70 yards, and that's never happened up to this point again for Utah. But it, it's just crazy, and we didn't see the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals. Uh, but a few with a few guys out, anything can happen. Uh, as well, even even with the Packers, Christian Watson hasn't even played at receiver. Bakhtiari, the great left tackle. Uh, I th- I think he inside misses Aaron Rodgers, but he's been unhealthy as well. Didn't play, and the Packers put up probably the best fourth quarter of any team. Put up 18 points and stole that one. Won it for the home crowd, and Jordan Love got to do the Lambo leap. All of that fun. Happy for those cheeseheads in Wisconsin. We're going to actually talk about the kickers a little bit. For the most part, good games by the kickers. uh, But Justin Tucker missing 60-yard boot at the end of regulation. Ravens unable to pull that win out. Jameis Winston comes in for the injured Derek Carr. Leads a game-winning drive. You know, they moved the chains enough. And the field goal by Groupie, by Blake, does not go. And so the Packers win that one 18-17. The Patriots' new kicker, they drafted one, which only, I think, Bill Belichick has done and the Buccaneers did a few years back. That that young kicker goes 2 of 4, so he misses 2. Tough day for the Jaguars in total, uh, but Brandon McManus got one blocked and shanked one. And so we, we've seen a few kickers get a little shaky, but also straight and true. Uh, Matt Gay, Utes legend, puts up... Some Hall of Fame numbers, 16 points in total for his team. Four 50-yard field goals. That's why that AFC South is flipped upside down and the Colts are 2-1 and one because Matt Gay, whether it was the first half, second half, or OT, was banging field goals through, went 5-for-5 five five on the day, and was a, a big win for the Colts. Everyone, I'm sure, loves the sports show over talking about kickers. What, what's your thought on this, uh, Hank, especially as we look at these stats of all the kickers in the league from yesterday's games? You know, kicking is an important part of the game. Like you said, uh, a 60-yarder for probably the GOAT out there in Baltimore. And usually that's a chip shot for him, but he just left it short. You see some names like Matt Prater, who's pretty old, and he went uh, 100% on the day and helped his team win in Arizona. So, yeah, kicking is kind of boring, but can't overlook it. Yeah, it's important. Sometimes we forget about it. Don't even grow up with it in Little League. I don't think anyone plays with uprights and then – even maybe junior high. In high school, it seems like no one can kick a field goal. And in the NFL, so important. And it, it just decides the game straight up. Tonight, obviously, Monday night, two games. I believe next week we only have one Monday night game. But being it early in the season, and even you know ABC, ESPN has come out, part of the writer strikes. They're televising these games on ABC, which you know, makes it more fun, more accessible to watch some football. So the first game, 
The earliest kickoff, which is just around the corner, the Eagles at the Buccaneers. And then an hour or so after, the Rams road game against Cincinnati will start up as well. So 2-0 Eagles versus 2-0 Buccaneers. And then the 1-1 Rams versus the 0-2 Bengals. I, I would... I would have picked the Eagles at this point to be 2-0, but the other three teams definitely would not have picked their records correctly. For this Eagles-Buccaneers game, Hank, what do you think happens? Who gets up early and what's the overall result? Uh, I think it's going to be like the other two games Philly's had this year. They're going to start out uh, quick and going to get some points up on the board in the first couple minutes of the game. But, I mean, Tampa Bay's they have played good this year. Baker has done his job. Mike Will- or Mike Evans has been a beast like he has been. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Hard place to play in Tampa. But ultimately, I don't know. Philly, this team, they know how to win close games. I think they're going to pull it out. Big night for uh, A.J. Brown. Book it. I think so, too. I, the Eagles, they played two Thursdays ago in that win against the Vikings. Had a lot of time off. Kenneth Gainwell is going to heal up a bit. Fletcher Cox, I, I think he's always banged up for how, old, for how old he is, but he's just such a warrior. He's going to play no matter what. Same with Lane Johnson. He's has that same mindset just on the other side of the ball for Philadelphia. And the, the theme with the Eagles has been they haven't even played well, and they're 2-0. and At least that's what the critics say on the offense. They need to get A.J. Brown more involved. And I think that will happen. So take the over with him. But if we remember that Thursday game, DeAndre Swift, he's still running. Uh, he played so well. Uh, was was that like the fantasy highlight of that game? And I think the Eagles can can keep things going. I think it gives them an extra little motivation and just good vibes in the locker room to see the Cowboys lose. I think that just mm-hmm. brings chuckles all around for the city of Philadelphia and the team and they'll uh, be able to play well in Florida. And that Rams-Bengals game, we have you know those two surprises, the surprise Puka Nakua edition for the Rams that's been so good, and the surprise sluggish start by Cincinnati, and the surprise you know health and bad performance by the highest-paid athlete, the highest-paid QB in the NFL, Joe Burrow. Uh, how, how do you think this game turns out, Hank? Well, I think Burrow's health situation needs to be a little more, like, explained. Like, we don't really don't know, like, how hurt he is. We know he got hurt in preseason, and then they're like, oh, he's fine. He's going to come back, and he's going to be okay. And then he's been limping, and there's been videos of him at practice limping in, a, um, in like, a, a sleeve for his calf. So I think that is still a big deal, and I – I like the way the Rams are playing. Like we talked about, Puka Nakua's like the wide receiver one in fantasy so far, depending on how tonight's game goes. So tough. It's a road game for the Rams, but I like the Rams in this one. Stafford's been playing really good. I think they're going to keep the momentum going. I think uh, the struggles in Cincinnati still going to they're still going to be struggling in the same things. So I think. The Rams take this one, but I do think it'll be close. Going to be a good game. Yeah, Nakua, I mean, it's crazy. 15 catches in a game, in his second game in the NFL. And think about, you know, a high school varsity game, it's hard to get 15 catches in that. Madden Ultimate Team, it's hard to get one of your guys 15 catches. 
at the Turkey Bowl on Thanksgiving, it's hard to put up 15 catches, and Puka Nakua has done this in just his second game in the NFL, and Stafford has, you know, really clicked with him. I think part of it helps with Cooper Cup being injured for Nakua's sake. I don't know if you could say that for the Rams' uh, sake as a whole, but that offense has been, you know, meshing so well, and when you couple that with the mastermind in Sean McVay, the youngest coach in the NFL, it's been so successful. The Bengals have a great one-two punch with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And I just, Joe Burrow's got to get him the ball. They got to do a better job of staying on the field. They punt the ball too much. But you have to when you can't move the chains and it just gets fourth and long. They have the lowest amount of first downs, right? We were talking about that earlier this week. Yeah. And, well, well T. Higgins went didn't Boom. get a catch week one. And so it's... Most three and outs. It's it's just been bad for them, and yeah, you would think, you would think, almost to to the extreme, any team but the Bengals uh, would lead the NFL in three and outs. We'll have to see how how this turns out. I mean, both teams need a big win, and the Rams' sake, you know, it's almost like they're fighting for the wild card. They've already lost one game to San Francisco, and. You know, they will have to, you argue, win out to be able to have a better record than the 49ers or even have the head-to-head over them. Well, and the Seahawks won yesterday and the Cardinals. So if they lose this game, they could, they're could they tied for last place in that division. But for the Bengals, their whole division, the Steelers, Ravens, Browns, 2-1, and 2-1, and 2-1. and one. If they lose this one and go 0-3, they might be insurmountable for for this year. Obviously, it's you know that Monday overreaction in only week three of the NFL, but it's it's interesting to see. If, but if the Buccaneers lose, they they'll be okay, you know, at, with a two and one record in, in their division. But these other teams, you know, really got to fight for this, and that's why it's so fun. It's why it's so fun to predict sports because you don't know what's going to happen, uh, but we sure act like we do. And the the other thing with Joe Burrow is. Two off seasons ago, he's appendix appendix <coughs> burst, rupture burst, whatever you want to call it, has an appendectomy, all patched up. He's ready to go by week one of the regular season, and pretty much, I think it was a day off of being exactly to the date. Has this calf injury, and nurses it. Doesn't play in the preseason like he's done all through his career. Should be ready by week one, and they lose that one. Not the first time Burrow started off a season 0-2. But, you know, the the dumb Twitter doctor in me says, well, you can you can throw a football, you can function without an appendix. But to be elite, you need both catches. You need that health, especially with how versatile these D linemen are. And, I mean, it's just from the snap a disadvantage for these offensive linemen as they have to hold, steel, hold still and these DNs can switch can bluff, drop in coverage, have so many moves and so many opportunities. And, I mean, you know, T.J. Watt had two sacks last night, but every other snap he played he didn't have a sack because he got blocked or he dropped in coverage. But we only focus on the letdowns these linemen have. It's a tough job, and we're grateful for the great plays that they make. And we sure are hard on those lines that, that suck, but it's easy to point out the ones that struggle. We saved the bad news for last, especially talking about the NFL. Three key injuries uh, over 
well, from last night that we've learned about. Mike Williams, wide receiver number two for the, the Los Angeles Chargers, is going to be out for this season with a torn ACL. Jimmy G has been diagnosed with a concussion. I'd, I'd argue if the Raiders won last night, it's possible he's not diagnosed with a concussion, but that's that's the skeptics. And then Derek Carr sprained AC joint. I mean, you can't break your elbow, can't break your shoulder. So he sprains his AC joint. He's listed as week to week, could be out one or two weeks. Uh, do, do you think Derek Carr ends up playing, Hank? Would you play him? Would you trust Jameis? No, Derek Carr is going to be out for, I'd say, at least three weeks. Um pretty sure i could be wrong that's his throwing shoulder too so you're definitely gonna take a couple weeks off james is a capable quarterback we've seen it he can he can sling the rock um getting thrown in there during that the last quarter and a half against the packers kind of a tough situation but no i think saints will be fine they have a good enough defense Derek carr is going to be able to take his time with this and not rush back because they have a probably one of the top three backup quarterbacks and then league so um, car will be out for a couple weeks for sure and, and kamara coming back oh yeah but but I, I mean that's a fun topic to think about you know who who would you say are a handful three or four of the best backup qbs in the league you know who who would you say because like you mentioned i think james winston james would have is to up, be there. up there and andy dalton yeah andy dalton some josh dobbs no, I don't. Well, well I, I mean, he's he's done his job. Like all, we were just talking before this sh- the show started. You said they've had a fourth quarter lead in every game. Like they they've had a good chance to win all three and be three and zero. Like and coming into the season, you would have never thought that. So it's not crazy to put his name up there. Maybe a little might be a little off base here, but I don't think Zach Wilson is too bad. And technically, he is a backup. Yeah, yeah. And even you know Tyler Huntley has. For one of the backups had a oh, lot yeah. of playing time for the Ravens. That's a Pro Bowl quarterback right there. Gardner Minshew. I mean, he got the win yesterday for the Colts. So, you know, there's all those those savvy vets that back up. You know, Blaine Gabbert stepped in for the Chiefs through like two picks. Looked horrible. <laughs> uh, but good for him. He's he's living the life on the sidelines. Um, but but then you have like the, the Bengals backup, Jake Browning. He was a legend at UW, you know, for the Huskies. Mm-hmm. But... He never played in the NFL. I mean, he probably has, but never started in the regular season. You got the good old Tyrod Taylor uh, as backup QB. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. And, and then there's teams like the Lions. I have no idea. No idea who their backup QB is. No idea who backing up Jordan Love. Uh, and so uh, kind of a fun game to play. Let us know on, on 91 Through the Blaze if, if you care who's the best backup QB in the league. Uh I mean, Stetson Bennett never played. Now, he, now he's on the non-injury uh, uh, list, uh, inactive injury list. So, with all that being said, fun to speculate, fun to overreact to all the amazing action that happened yesterday. Uh, we hope your team's chances are looking uh, splendid, uh, but who knows? As we trickle into college football, not the greatest day for the state of Utah. The Utes got the win over. Uh, ranked UCLA in low-scoring affair, winning that one 14-7. BYU lost to Kansas. The Jayhawks are now in the top 25. They played Texas on Saturday. And I think I mean, this is just going to be one of those situations to make Texas look good, beating a ranked opponent, 
but at, at the end of the season, I just don't think Kansas is going to find themselves ranked. But as Texas fights for a college football playoff chance, they're going to look at the resume and say, oh, well, they beat Alabama. Oh, they beat Kansas, who was ranked at the time. But it's going to be one of those wins that I don't know if it's that significant. And that's the same with UCLA and Oregon State. I don't know if they'll both end up being ranked at the end of the season. But Utah's got to win this week, playing on a Friday. Friday in Oregon against the Beavers. But continuing on, Weber State, the number eight team in the FCS, just got hammered by the number three team in the FCS, Montana State. Utah State lost to James Madison. They were an FCS powerhouse. Now they have moved to the FBS. And the Dukes of James Madison are undefeated 4-0. They beat in Virginia. They've beaten Utah State. They've beaten two other schools that I don't think any one of us knows where's on the map, but mm-hmm. they are undefeated. Uh, Utah Tech lost uh, a tough one. Wasn't close after the first quarter. Lost to Missouri State 59-14. to And SUU beat Western Illinois 37-17, so good for that. There was a few uh, crazy matchups, though, uh, throughout college football on Saturday. Obviously... Ohio State took care of business at the last play uh, against Notre Dame, which was just huge. Alabama took care of Ole Miss, uh, and LSU not play a ranked Arkansas team, but a talented team and pulled away winning that one. USC had a close call in their win over Arizona State, you know, winning 42-28, to but, I mean, it was within one possession for the majority of the second and third quarter and start of the fourth. But what are your some of your thoughts, Hank, with the, the new coaches poll, top 25, and, and especially those big games, that loss for Notre Dame and so forth? Yeah, uh, Notre Dame-Ohio State, like you said, it was, it was a good game, college game day of the week. Uh, Ten men on the field for the final two plays of Notre Dame, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but that helps out uh, Utah. If you're a Utes fan, moved up into the top 10 this week as Notre Dame dropped to 11. I think Washington being the number one ranked team out of the Pac-12 right now is it's kind of cool. I mean, you don't usually expect that from the Huskies. Uh, USC dropping and Oregon moving up again. Like we said last week, we keep saying it, the Pac-12 is representing right now. Seven Spots 7 through 10 all taken up by... Uh, a Pac-12 team, and top four, not really much have changed except uh, Ohio State moved up twice and jumped Florida State. And which is interesting, I think I think Texas at three, Ohio State at four makes sense. Michigan at two, it it's kind of interesting because yes, they're great, but they haven't they haven't played anyone. And Utah, you would say, well, they they haven't had Cam Rising yet or Brent Keithy. But with all that being said, they've beaten the Baylor Bears, the UCLA Bruins, the Florida Gators, and the Wildcats, and, and Weber State. Great, great, great. So they've beaten those four teams, and Florida, Baylor, UCLA are talented. UCLA ranked, Florida now ranked. Uh, so they're at 10. But in Michigan, who, who I like, and Washington, who I like, they've, you know, they haven't played anyone. This is Michigan's resume. Versus Eastern Carolina, versus UNLV, versus Bowling Green, versus Rutgers. And of course, of course, in the preseason, Big Blue can't play on the road. All four of those games have been in Ann Arbor. 
win, 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 win. The defense, though, only allowing 3.7 points, 6 points, 7 points. I mean, you can keep going through the rest of the schedule. They play, as of right now, they play two teams that are ranked and not till the end of the season. And Washington, who Joel Klatt has it, has them at number two in the nation. And depending on the argument, I, I mean, I could go with it, but they've beaten Boise State, which is a respectable program, down year for them. They beat Tulsa. That's in the state of Oklahoma. Beat Michigan State and beat Cal. Smacked up Michigan State at their place, too. I mean, the only surprise from last week was that Michael Penix only threw for 300 yards, not 400, because this offense is just such a juggernaut. So the strength of schedule, I mean, it's still it's still the, the regular season or well, preseason. The conference play hasn't started for certain teams. Utah just got their first win, uh, but... Other teams have their first conference game this coming week. Uh, you know, teams those teams in the ACC and so forth. Oregon has trickled into nine. It's interesting how we've talked about it less, and you know, other big networks, uh, you know, less Colorado hype as they they got smacked and just the the D line and O line, the size. And the ability to just create time in the pocket for your QB shows in these big showdowns. And Colorado doesn't have a lot of those dogs yet. And arguably their first or second best player on the team is out with Travis Hunter. And so that has been proven tough for him. But as you watch that first half of that Ducks-Buffaloes game, what was going through your mind? And, you know, did it, did it hurt you to see Colorado just get treated like the little brother? I mean, yeah, but I think we even said it last Monday. We we were kind of expecting that. Like, uh, Shador has made so many crazy plays, but he's had to make those crazy plays because he's under pressure a lot. So when you go up against a team like Oregon, who's got dogs in the trenches, like you knew it was it was going to happen. And even on the flip side of the ball, Colorado was getting no pressure on Bo Nix, and he was just having. Yeah, the time, all the time in the world, back in the pocket, and every time they ran the ball, you could drive a semi truck through the hole. So it was, it just looked too easy for Oregon. And I think even Dion mentioned that after the game, how he said we're still a couple players away. So I think every, it, what happened was everyone was expecting. So I think Colorado will uh, they'll bounce back. They'll play. They have a lot of tough teams to play. So this, I think they're going to take a couple L's still, but this is a team that won one game last year, and they've already tripled that amount this year. Well, yeah, and Colorado, they're going to pretty much run it back this coming week against another great team, but this time it will be at home for them as they play USC. And so, you know, that, that will be interesting. I, I think it could be a closer game compared to Oregon, as Oregon's uh, defense and well ability to play at home and the psychotic game demeanor of their head coach of just gas pedal uh got that game out of hand yeah. and so against USC who has been not shaky but a little surprising as they weren't able to pull away against Arizona State uh I think it could be a closer game Lincoln Riley as we all know has never been known for an elite defense so Colorado might be able to to compete, maybe pull this one off. I don't think so. But it, it's possible as they're at home and reflect on this loss. Another thing that has surfaced through Twitter 
is Travis Hunter contacting Dion saying that he's got to play this week, uh, you know, no matter what. And I'm not familiar with the lacerated liver, but it was initially reported he'd be out, you know, two, three, four weeks. And so it'd be exciting to see him out there on the field, but don't want him to risk his health. You can see the uh, that news thing up on the right. They just told about an hour ago. They told him that he's going to be out still, and he needs to get healthy. And so, I mean, he he wants to, but it's just not going to happen. And I I think USC will take care of this one. Pac-12 has been so exciting, but you know, as these undefeateds meet up, UCLA versus Utah, someone's got to lose. Washington State versus Oregon State, someone needs to lose, and it's going to continue to happen. But the I mean, I, I I always just want to cap it at the top ten. You know, th- those are the ones competing. But well, Notre Dame, Alabama, L- LSU at eleven, twelve, thirteen, they 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 can still compete. And I mean, I I honestly think the the top twenty teams in the nation can continue to make noise, and they all have a, an opportunity to make it to the college football playoff. They win out, and everyone does. But it's possible that these teams can. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, early early Heisman pick from you, Hank. I mean, it's just become a quarterback award for yeah. the most part. Uh, I think you got to have Bo Nix up there towards the top. I think Michael Penix is the front runner in my opinion right now. Uh, definitely. It's hard not to pick a Pac-12 quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Texas quarterback has been playing really great. I mean, the three out of the Pac-12, Quinn Ewers from Texas, uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the that kind of white guy in college that not a lot of people know about at this time of the year is Riley Leonard, the QB for Duke. And he's putting up numbers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this basketball school has, as a football team, you know, beat Clemson to start out the year. And they play Notre Dame this Saturday. Uh, So Notre Dame fell to number 11 in the nation. So the Blue Devils take on the Fighting Irish. That's the the game day game. We'll be on ABC at 530, uh, which will be fun to watch, see how it plays out. The madness uh, in college football's way is just starting to, to spill over on us, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, hard to hard to not go with uh, Michael Penix, one of those smooth lefties. Dylan Gabriel, another lefty from Oklahoma. Uh, they they've been uh, really showcasing how to throw the ball. So we'll have to see what happens. But this game for Friday with Utah at Oregon State. I mean, Hank, with limited information, you think Cam Rising plays, and you think that the Utes will will continue to. To play well, and this will be handed Oregon State back-to-back losses if it happens. Do you yeah. think it does? Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's always so. We we do this every week. Is Cam Rising going to play? Um, and this Saturday he jogged out there for warm-ups in full gear. And he was a game-time decision, and people thought maybe he plays uh, the second half if it's a close game still. But once game time started, he came back out. And uh, street close. So I think I think this week he will play. I think this is a little bit tougher of a game, in my opinion, playing at Oregon State. Definitely a trap game on that Friday night. So I, I think Cam will play, and I think uh, 
offense will get a little more tuned up with him back there. Nate Johnson's a, a he's a good player. He can definitely make some plays with the feet. But they they were not throwing that ball on Saturday. So I think once Cam comes back, the offense changes, and that Utes defense looked legit. So I I still think Utah takes care of business on Friday night. Well, let's be real. It was not, it was not the most exciting game to watch. No. Especially that fourth quarter. It was the field positioning battle. And Kyle Whittingham, you know, trusting his defense and his punter. I tell you, this stallion out of Australia, that's that's how you can boot the, the Utes punters do it. The pigskin. And it, they just played the field positioning game. And, you know, with with UCLA, they they were able to score in the second half and, you know, show show some signs of life, cutting it to 14-7, put, giving us a game on our hands. But more the QB, I mean, Dante Moore, it, that fourth quarter, he just looked like the that high school star on a bad team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Utes defense was so relentless, but he dropped back. Uh, that last drive of the game dropped back four times, got sacked on three of them, and the Utes defense was just out of control. Uh, it looked like it was 15 guys on 11. as uh, just that pass rush was so successful. I believe it was seven sacks in total for the Utes. But, yeah, the, it was just run the ball. If we get a first down, we'll keep running it. If not, we'll just punt it within the you know inside the 20, and the Utes defense will do their thing. That's not going to work every game, as we know. And Cam Rising, obviously, is closer and closer. He had a full week in those warm-ups, like Hank mentioned, against UCLA. And so I think we could see him. And I think with this game being on a Friday, one less day, that was another reason why Cam Rising was just not a good option to play against UCLA as he's coming back from this injury. We'll have to see, though. It's going to be exciting. I mean, now now we have Packers-Lions on Thursday. BYU plays Cincinnati uh, on Saturday as well, uh, Friday as well. But we have Utes-Oregon State uh, on Friday. And then an hour later or so, BYU-Cincinnati. And then Saturday, this amazing slate of games. The sleeper game that might not have a big impact for us in Utah, but Notre Dame-Duke could be exciting. Uh, and some of these other showdowns, uh, LSU will Miss. But... Then Sunday, of course, another huge uh, week in the NFL, which brings us uh, to Monday night. So, I mean, you got a five, five days in a row. What could be better uh, of football everywhere you go? So enjoy, enjoy the rest of this week and this football season. We'll have to see how Monday night football treats us and then the rest of the week. Don't forget to socialize a bit, but enjoy these games. Uh, any, other, any other thing? Hank. Do we want to do tough wins and losses of the week real quick? Yes. I mean, we, we tend to spoil them throughout the show, uh, but our tough win of the week, we had to go the NFL way with the Arizona Cardinals, who played a phenomenal game, got up big early, and took advantage of 12, 12 penalties on the Cowboys in the first half. Just discombobulated uh, Dallas was in this first half. And also... You know, missing some key linemen, uh, but you know, Michael Parsons talked that talk. Dak Prescott, you know, kind of under his breath stated that only one team has gone undefeated, thinking that the Cowboys had a chance to be the second team. And shocker, after 21 days of the regular season, that's not even possible. 
but a big win for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you got that fire in you? I guess they mm. do. Mm. I guess they do. Uh, the fire got put out a bit uh, it, over that second half against the Giants when Daniel Jones uh, just kind of did it all, and they they uh, had that sad loss, but they, they came back fighting. And even though no Cardinals fans wanted to show up to the home game, as 70% of the crowd was Cowboys fans, Arizona did their things with, with uh, Josh Dobbs, so good for them. Shout out James Conner. He's been playing really good this season. Oh, and then they uh, we'll go through the tough loss. We just talked about it a little bit. Uh, went to we went to Notre Dame for this one. Just a big game. We said it was a college game day, game of the week. Just the way it ended was kind of crazy. Uh, the post game interview with Ryan Day and the Ohio State coach getting fired up about his boys getting the dub. Uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a great game. Ended. Uh, the ending was really exciting. Ten men on the field for the final two plays for Notre Dame, which is just insane. Uh, one play, maybe you get a pass, but the final two plays, come on, you got to you got to see that. Yeah, and I mean, they, there was timeouts within in that, and this and that, uh, and they still, with all those delays, all those things, couldn't get another guy out on the field. And with all these guys on on the sideline, you know, 30 of them have headsets. I guess no one, even from the box of the sideline, could tell that. I mean, those are the greenest jerseys I've ever seen, and you could only count 10 of them and got away with it. But, I mean, I think it was an exciting play call. Uh, Because of the penalty, it ended up being third, uh, sorry, goal line, on the goal line, uh, on the one. And so the run was in play, and that's what they did. They just ran it. Instead of throwing it on the last play, which was exciting, and I mean, yeah, you got a little bit of harmless controversy uh, with this game with, with the jerseys, whether you like them or hate them. With Ryan Day, whether you like them or hate them, Ohio, it's Ohio against the world, whether you agree with that or not. And then Lou Holtz, I'm trying to do my Lou Holtz voice, not not going to work, but he talking that talk uh, just throughout the whole day, especially on on college game day that Notre Dame was going to hold on uh, and show them how it's done. But it just didn't happen. But there's been a lot of respect uh, in these rankings with those teams that have lost to another ranked team. They still they still are staying in the top 25, being ranked, uh, you know, very highly. Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. LSU's still, still there. They're a solid team. Alabama is Alabama. Notre Dame. They deserve to be 11, I think. I mean, that that was that was a dramatic loss. That, that would have been a tough loss. They played a great game. Both teams struggled on, you know, going for it on fourth down. The defense, you know, the defensive stands that were showcased in the first half and second half. And then also include Oregon State. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of people don't realize what, what's going on in Oregon and Oregon State and Washington State and Washington. All four of those teams have had some flawless uh, drives and and victories at the start of this early season, and they showcase that. And Oregon State still in the top twenty-five even after the loss. So we'll have to see. But Ohio State, the Buckeyes do their thing uh, and and stay undefeated. We'll have to see in the coming weeks of those college football playoff rankings uh, what happens and who they prioritize over others. 
But thanks for being with us on this hour. We'll go back to the music on 913 The Blaze, and we'll be back next Monday at 4 o'clock for more overreaction and recapping of Week 5 of the NFL.